Welcome to Human Dreaming, the podcast for curious dreamers. I'm your host, Britt Shefflin. Pooja Agarwal, MD, MBA, is a board-certified neurologist and epileptologist. Additionally, she is a certified mindset and burnout coach. Pooja started Zenful Brain Life Coaching in 2021 to help female professionals overcome burnout to become empowered and increase their self-love, self-compassion, and self-awareness. Pooja herself experienced burnout and has changed her life through coaching. She decided to become a certified coach at the Life Coach School and help other female professionals overcome burnout. Pooja coaches clients with burnout to overcome life's obstacles and become more self-confident, set goals, and achieve them. Pooja, welcome to Human Dreaming. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am delighted to have you on, and um, especially so because you are coming from a scientific and neurobiology background, which is one of my primary interests, and I also don't know nearly as much as I would like to, so I am very excited to learn from you today, and hopefully you can give some insight to our listeners as to what is going on in the brain during dreaming and other types of um, events, as we were talking about earlier, perhaps epilepsy and um, Alzheimer's, etc. The first thing I wanted to talk about, though, was you don't necessarily utilize dreams as being useful daily information. For you, it's processing processing information through the hippocampus, is that correct? Yeah, so, you know, there's different theories out there. Most widely used scientific theory for dreams is, is that we're consolidating or processing, you know, things that have happened in our life during our our, um, sleep through our dreams, and we're kind of building that into our memory or in, through our hippocampus which processes our memories long-term or, and that forms short-term memories, long-term memory. And so when we have these dreams, there's the theories are again, that we're processing information that we've obtained throughout our day and then kind of processing it through our hippocampus and registering those, you know, whatever events have happened. And um, in the fact that certain dreams actually mean anything, there's not scientific proof for that. Yeah, there is a lot about dreams that there is absolutely no scientific proof for what occurs in there. So that absolutely makes sense. Um, so I can I presume that you aren't like an avid dream journaler? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> fair, enough, fair enough. So can you tell me a little bit about what occurs with your epileptic patients and what is going on in the brain there and and what they're processing? So um, oftentimes people with epilepsy can actually have um, seizures at night. They may think that are dreams, but they're usually seizures. Not to say that they don't dream, but um, oftentimes, sometimes people will think, well, you know, maybe I felt like I was hitting somebody or I was moving at night and you know sometimes they'll actually think it was a dream but it was an actual seizure and sometimes epileptic patients can have um 
other clues that it's seizures where they bit their tongue in the morning or the side of their mouth, but that doesn't always happen with, with seizures that happen at, at night. And people who have seizures at night and, and their ep epilepsy patients have a higher risk of something called SUDEP, which is sudden unexpected death in epileptic patients, which are actually people, you know, die in their sleep from um, having these seizures. And so, um, again, people with seizures in general um, can have them at night and confuse them for dreams. That is really interesting. I have only known a few epileptic people, but I have heard them mention that when they are having the seizures, it's also like going through a dream. That they've experienced like really profound visuals and sensations that are outside of what their physical body experiences in that moment. Is that something that you've heard of? So I think it depends on the type of seizure. If you're actually talking about a seizure where they completely lose consciousness, I mean, they're not going to be aware of that. Sometimes people can have um, more of like a partial seizure where they're still, you know, not maybe fully asleep, but partially awake. Um, and then they're like having, you know, move, jerky movements or, or, you know, they stiffen or something like that. But if they have more of like a generalized seizure where they're um, conscious that they're not going to remember anything in terms of like an out-of-body experience. So it really depends on what type of seizure they're having. And coming back to the dream that you were telling me about, um, I'll just read from what you wrote. It says, I have a dream of me continuing to fall down in the air, but it's not from the sky, cliff, or anything like that. I actually feel some physical symptoms of me falling during this dream. So tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, so this is, um something that happens to me frequently where I actually dream like I'm I'm falling just like this constant falling that doesn't go away and it's not like when I first go to sleep um, or um, when I'm waking up from sleep so sometimes you can have that feeling either in what's called the hypnagogic when you're falling asleep or hypnagogic when you're waking up but um, this is definitely happening when in the deeper sleep and I mean I can't I can remember it and it's just like this constant feeling of uh, falling and it doesn't go away oh, wow. I, yeah and so, but you don't think that that's, that's not the inner ear? No, no. That's like no. A, a different sensation, but you're physically feeling it in the dream. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think at times I've actually woken up from my sleep because I felt like the sensation and it's, it was from definitely a deep sleep. I was not like waking up in general. I was not like falling asleep or anything like that. And yeah. like this odd, odd sensation. That's really curious. I'm curious to know if you wear a Fitbit or an Aura ring or anything like that that tracks your your heart rate and sleep. No, I don't. Yeah. No. That would be interesting yeah. to see what's going on during that time. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. Have you associated it with anything like high stress or? Um, yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's stress, um, worrying about, you know, certain things. I think that definitely triggers it. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say it happens all the time when I'm stressed, but I, I've definitely noticed it more when I'm stressed. Yeah. It does sound like a, a physiological dream to me, um, because often, you know, psychological dreams, they really have like a story arc and there's yeah you know, one thing leads to another and there's like a whole emotional arc that goes along with it. But since it's like a physical sensation of falling, that sounds like. Yeah, it, it definitely could be. I mean, I don't know, like hypoglycemia or like a low sugar 
or right. anything like that, but it's definitely, it could be definitely be physiologic. I, I don't really know what to yeah. attach to. And most of us dream during um, REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep, which is our deeper sleep. And so um, that's when I definitely get it. And I, I have, like I said, woken up in the middle of the night when I know I was in a deep sleep mm-hmm. and had this kind of like, I actually felt like I was falling off the bed at that oh. point. When I wake up, I'm afraid that I'm like actually falling off the bed. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That, that is definitely a very uh, intense physiological sensation then. Yes. Yeah. Was there anything that you wanted to add about um, the, your experience with Alzheimer's patients? Um, actually, more so like Parkinson's. They have a lot of what we call um, REM sleep behavior d- disorder. It's actually where they have at night, they can act out their, their dreams uh, or they can act out, you know, and sometimes they can actually be, be violent dreams. Um, they can feel like, you know, they're, somebody's trying to hurt them and they can act out trying to, you know, sometimes they can hurt their partner if they're sleeping in the same bed. And so that's definitely something you can see in, in that, uh, in Parkinson's disease. Um, but then definitely, I mean, you can see people who have had certain parts of their brain injured, they can have more um, vivid dreams. So it really, there's lots of different um, reasons why people can have vivid dreams. If certain parts are affected in terms of brain injury, um, like I mentioned, Parkinson's. And um, so those, like I said, again, dreams also happen during REM sleep. And so um, those are some of the more frequent uh, conditions that cause um, vivid dreams. That's really fascinating. It's almost like the opposite of sleep paralysis where you're not having the, um, I, I don't remember what causes it. I believe it's a hormone in the brain that causes you to lay still while you're sleeping to not act out in your dreams most of the time. And, um, and then sleep paralysis is when you're consciously awake, but that hormone is still in your body, stopping you from physically moving. Um, do you remember what that is? I, mm, I don't remember right now at oh, the top of my head, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll have to look that up because I should know it. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's interesting because that's almost like the opposite of sleep paralysis where you actually are acting it out in your dreams. Like your physical body is able to move, but your your brain is dreaming. Yes. I want to dive a little bit more into how you're helping other professionals because it sounds like you were in that lifestyle yourself. And was there something that happened where you were burning out and you had to learn some techniques to help yourself get out of that? Yeah. So, I mean, right now, this was before the current pandemic, but before um, 2017, I was fairly burned out. I was working long hours. I wasn't sleeping much, um, wasn't taking care of myself. And it was, you know, difficult. I was giving so much at work. I was on call 14 weeks a year at that time. And that's a lot, you know, people call you all the time in the middle of the night, you're not sleeping, you're, you're not getting that full like seven hours of restless sleep. And it was taking a toll on me to the point that I actually wasn't able to really give much at home to my kids, to my family. And so um, it wasn't until I actually got hired a coach that I found that um, that really helped me with my mindset. I used to be very pessimistic and I used to have difficulty with, um, I was always always thinking negatively about everything. And coaching really helped me to change my mindset to realize that I can really control what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. 
and how a change in my mindset really helped me become more, have more of a positive outlook. And, you know, I mean, I, I was a neurologist, you know, expert in all the, you know, brain pathology and, you know, syndromes, things like that, but I couldn't manage my mind. And it was one thing really that I learned to do through coaching. And once I started uh, learning how to do it and I put it into practice and I made it a habit, it really helped me so much so that I actually wanted to help other female profession, professionals who experience burnout. And right now, um, burnout is at an all-time high. Um, there are no boundaries between work and home for people, especially who do remote work. There's virtual schooling over the last couple of years for, for you know, females, um, you know, moms, and there's just a lot more to do and a lot more to worry about. And so I really want to help and have helped female professionals with increasing their self-confidence, their self-love, their self-compassion, and um, I really enjoy it. I, it's like, it's my passion. I love to do it. And it's just one of those things that I, I love so much. So, and I feel like I helped these people so much. And the feedback that I've gotten has been great. It's so cool that you worked in that field and you're aware of how the brain works and things like neuroplasticity. And then you were able to identify that in yourself and put it to work for your, for your own brain. I love that. Yeah, I was forming new neural pathways. They used to be go towards the, the route of the, ne the negative mindset. Now, once I started making it a habit, it's like the power of automation. Our brain responds to habit. Keep on doing it for a while. You form these new neural pathways. And then you have this, instead of like self-sabotage and thinking negatively, it's where you are thinking positively, your mindset changes, and it takes, it's pervasive then. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have any particular tools um, that really everybody should know about changing their mindset? Yeah, so one is um, the something called a thought download. Um, it's basically becoming more in tune with what you're thinking and what you're feeling. So we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day in our brain. But how aware are you of what we're all thinking? You know, most of us aren't. We're just kind of like react to and we have a certain feeling, but we don't even know what that is sometimes. And we just act out that feeling, you know, if we get upset or, you know, we yell or scream or whatever it may be. So really, you know, kind of hone in on what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Put a name to that feeling and process it. Allow that feeling, even if it's negative or positive. You know, as humans, we are allowed to have both negative and positive feelings. We don't always have to have, you know, be happy or be excited. You can be angry. You can be upset. You can be disappointed. That's really the true human experience to have both negative and positive feelings. You know, say it's like 50-50, you know, having 50% positive, 50% negative emotions. And that's really what the true human experience is. Yeah. So doing that thought download can really help. Even writing it down, journaling is another thing you can do to help. Certainly. Yeah. A thought download. And I don't know, in my experience, writing things down is a really great way to reinforce those new connections. So being aware of it, first of all, like you mentioned, and then writing it down. I've never heard of it be referred to as a thought download, but I really like that terminology. Yeah, that's actually just, um, so what I certified as a, as a life coach, life coach school, it's something that um, Brooke Castillo, she's a lady who um, started that, she came up with that term. And I like it because it's really, you know, it's about what we're thinking in our mind, but then it's more like in tune with today's terminology, like a, a thought download, you know, and so I, I love the term. 
yeah, bringing the, the thought into your conscious awareness and how are you supposed to process anything if you're not even consciously aware of, of what it is that, that is there. Yes. Yeah, and that increases our self-awareness and mindfulness when we are processing it, writing it down, and then you can really see, you know, the, well, this is what I'm thinking and this is what I'm feeling. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, any other tools that you would suggest people to integrate into their daily lives? Yeah, um, practice self-care. I think it's one thing that we often don't do, taking that time for your um, for solitude, spending time with just yourself, you know, no phones, no social media, no computers, even if it's just five to 10 minutes a day, um, taking that time to exercise. That, that's very important. Um, eating healthy is also very important. And then the other thing I recommend, recommend is practicing gratitude, being thankful for what you have and actually writing down or saying it out loud. Well, these are the things I have. And, you know, I, I'm practicing that gratitude can also be very helpful. Yeah. I really like that. I know that a long time ago when I was a lot younger, I really had just some kind of negative feelings towards things like affirmations and, you know, it just seemed kind of cheesy and new agey to me, but now that I understand what's going on and how that can be beneficial, I've really come around to appreciating those tools. And um, it's always difficult to explain it to people in a way that doesn't come across as new agey or, um, you know, a feeling a little bit silly. But I agree. I mean, it is, how are you supposed to build those new pathways and new ways that your brain will automatically think these happier thoughts, which is, you know, your whole perception of existence, if you don't actively encourage that. So I've really come around on using those tools. Yeah, they're very helpful. And so our brains naturally will dwell on negative things. You know, we have negativity bias. We'll think, you know, if something happened, a mistake happened, those are the pathways that will just continuously that's the way we'll continuously think versus when we actually make a deliberate effort to change those pathways. And when we do that, like I said, forming a habit, then that changes those neural pathways. And like I said, that mindset changes is very important. So do you pretty much follow the coaching formula? Did you find that to be like a really solid coaching formula or have you brought any of your own perspective into your coaching? So um, with my coaching, actually bringing, I mean, I definitely like and practice use some of the tools from life coach school, but I have brought in some of my own, just more of like a neuroscience based, trying to use, you know, with my knowledge of the brain and being a neurologist and using that. And really um, one of the things that I really like to mention is the power of automation. So when our brains, like let's say we go to, to drive, when you first start out, you know, you have to learn, you have to put the key in the ignition, you have to turn it. But in the old, old times when I learned, you put in the key, turn the ignition, turn it on and then, you know, you'd have to learn, you know, with the um, brake, with the, the gears, I'm putting on the gas pedal, and you'd have to learn all that. And then over time though, and with the power of automation, it becomes habit. You don't even think about it subconsciously. The same thing with new things. Um, when I do something, you know, exercise daily, whatever it is, with that power of automation and doing it consistently, it just becomes a subconscious habit. And you mentioned journaling a couple of times. Do you do journaling or journaling prompts with yourself and or your clients? I do. I actually have a journaling prompts I do with my clients. It really helps with self-reflection. And um, I, I do journal. 
and I am a little bit new age. I do it on my phone, but um, this is just easier for me. But some people, you know, writing it down with pen and old fashioned pen and paper works well too. So journaling is something I think is really great doing at the end of the day, just reflecting on what's happened. And it has been shown to really be helpful. So I wanted to do just a little fun, creative thought exercise. And it doesn't have to be logical at all. It can be completely in the realm of magic and imagination. But if you were to have one concept, one thought, one idea, one anything at all that you would like to get out to billions of people across the world, and you could transmit it however you wanted, that could be, you know, through radio waves or billboards or, you know, writing in the sky, any way that you wanted, um, and it could be logical or not, what would be the message that you would like to transmit and how would you transmit it? The message that I would want to transmit would be life is what you want it to be. Make it that. And what I mean by that is, is that you can determine what happens in your life. You can take charge or you could be a victim to ex to, to external circumstances. Being that victim doesn't help you. You can take charge of your life. You can change your mindset to accomplish your goals and to do what you want in your life. And unless you do that, you're always going to be a victim to external circumstances. And once we take control of our lives, we can set, the, set those goals, we can reach them, we can accomplish anything in our lives. And the way that I would want to um, have that message come across would probably be on TV, just to broadcast it to the world. I love that. Would you say, like on a biological level, would you say that learning to take control of your life is learning how to override amygdala hijack? Um, yeah, it is. Because oftentimes we are so afraid of, of change. We're so, we just want to be, our brains want to have something that's familiar. We don't want that discomfort. We want to avoid some pain. We want to avoid something new. So in order to do that, we just think that, you know, we're just going to continuously go into what we know and that familiarity, and then we don't take on new challenges or try new things. And that is so important. Like our amygdala is like, oh no, I'm afraid of what's going to happen. It's kind of like that fight or flight and I don't want to do this. So then I'm just going to stay in my comfort zone. Yeah. So get out of homeostasis then. Yes. That's how you grow and learn. I love that. That's great. Well, winding down now, is there anything that you would like the audience to know? Any requests of the audience? Um, any places that you would particularly like them to visit you? Of course, we will have all of your information and links in the show notes, but um, what would be the, the top things that you would like your, the audience to do and or places to visit you? Yes, you can check me out on my um, website. It's um, www.zenfulbrain.com, so zenfulbrain.com. And um, I'm also on Instagram at, um, at, at ZenfulBrainOfficial. And um, also my website, you can just uh, email me or message me. And then they're actually on my website, I have free journaling prompts, um, a week's worth. I would love to check out your journaling prompts. I love journaling. I do a morning and an evening journal. So <laughs> oh, well, wow. really fun to integrate some of these tools because you seem to have some really, really great ones. 
So thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I really hope that everybody checks out your socials and your website. And if there's any professionals that are out there listening that are feeling the burnout, now you know where to go for some help. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your time as well. And I look forward to chatting with you again in the future, I hope. Yes, definitely. We are supported by Human Dreaming, the Dynamics of Dream Interpretation by Sunshine Press. The Human Dreaming book can be purchased on Amazon.com, the Barnes & Noble website, or through your local bookstore. For dream share or help with interpretation, please join us at the Human Dreaming Facebook group. You can also find us on Instagram at human underscore dreaming. Thank you for listening and subscribing, and please join us again next week.